competing at a combined weight of 405 pounds. They are the reigning, defending, undisputed racing dudes, triple crown champions of the world, the magic. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 461. Mr. Samich. Aaron Rodgers got traded. Huzzah! <laughs> it finally J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. They finally worked it out. He's officially a Jet. Didn't have to pay that much for him. Uh, Going to be interesting to see how good he is as a Jet. Because uh, he's, what, the fifth best quarterback in the AFC now? Sixth, maybe? I thought you were going to say in that division. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite that division, but definitely uh, in, the, in the AFC, it's probably the fifth or sixth best quarterback. It was wild to think, considering he won back-to-back MVPs two and three years ago. I, if you're Bill Belichick, like you've had the Jets, like the Jets haven't had a quarterback of this caliber ever since he's been, you know, <laughs> running New England. Uh, are you excited or you just kind of go, I know how to beat Aaron Rodgers. He's just another quarterback at this point. I mean, they're the fourth worst roster in that division, no matter what way you cut it, even before this trade. So the fact that, that he goes there, I mean, for me, this means that the, the Patriots are full rebuild mode now, right? Because there is, there's no way they're winning the AFC East. They're, they're, going to, they're clearly the fourth best team there. It's going to be interesting to see what this does for Super Bowl odds, if it drifts some other teams up, what it does for division odds, if you get a decent price on the Bills now. Because, I like, look, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, when he is on it and playing well, that's great. But, man, I'm not willing to lay a bunch of juice just to assume that this is going to work out for the Jets. <laughs> Kevin says, Samich, let me know he's late because he had to go run and put a future on the Jets to win the Super Bowl uh, real quick. Yeah, I'm going the other so. direction. I would rather find like if I can, I'm hoping the Chiefs float up because of this. And if they do, I'll run and put another Chiefs bet in. Uh, lots of compliments from the uh, from the YouTube chat here. Everybody uh, appreciating the new look for Mike Samich looking fresh. Uh, you got the new microphone. You sound amazing. It's uh, yeah, it's looking great. Yeah, it was, a, it was an accident, not going to lie. I was shaving last night, went a little too low on one side, and it all came off. It happens. But you know the beautiful part of this? Hair grows pretty quick. So. It grows right back, yeah. <laughs> About once every, like, six months to a year, I get the, uh, no pun intended, well, I guess pun intended, I get the itch where I'm like, it's just a little too scratchy all the time, mm-hmm. and I just completely wipe it off and start over. But you're right, it's usually about three, four days, and nobody even realizes that it happened. My uh, we, I, last time I did it was right before we went back to Michigan for the holidays uh, last year, and uh, my wife was like, "Why did you do that right before you're going to see all these people we haven't seen in two years?" I was like, "By the time we see them, they're not going to notice the difference." And yeah, that's what happened. Nobody noticed. Yeah, it'll all work out. Not too worried about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice. It's it's uh, it's funny. I had that same itch right before I started shaving, and then got a little too aggressive, and now it's completely <laughs> gone. So here we are. But the itch is gone as well. Uh, what's not? Well, what else is gone? Blazing Sevens is gone from the Derby picture. We've got that to talk about. A couple other topics for the Kentucky Derby, but this is a big Q&A session. So if you got any other questions in the chat, let us know. Uh, maybe go see Dr. Tang about any special itches you've got. But let's get into it, buddy. Right up. All right, Mike. First topic we talk about: Blazing Sevens is out of the Kentucky Derby, according to uh, trainer Chad Brown. Going to target the Preakness Stakes instead—a move we saw him do quite well with Cloud Computing and Early Voting. Won the Preakness with both of those horses. Jace's Road is the first horse in, so he is officially back in. 
kind of good for his connections, right? But they were in the Derby until Disarm got third in the Lexington, and they got bounced out by one point. It's kind of like, damn it, how did we how did we get knocked out? But they're back in here. Uh, let's first talk about this from a, a perspective of the Derby field. How does this defection of Blazing Sevens and the addition of Jace's Road affect the Derby picture for you? Uh, for me, it doesn't really affect it very much. I mean, because the, the question really is, is Jace's Road going to be part of the pace pro, uh, profile? And that, that's how this race gets affected by this change from a just race perspective. From a betting perspective, uh, I kind of wanted Blazing Sevens in this race because I felt like Blazing Sevens had a chance to take a little bit of money and all of it was dead in my mind. So I, I liked the idea of Blazing, Blazing Sevens in here because it's a horse I was never going to play that I thought might get bet a little bit. And at Jace's Road, I don't think is going to get bet very much. Uh, I have no interest in playing the horse. Uh, so it's it's really to me now. How does this affect that early pace? What do we see? Does does Jace's Road decide to go because it's the one Brad Cox that really has that early speed? Where if you decide I want to be up front, this is the Brad Cox horse that could do it. Yeah, I, the, I think you nailed it right there. For me, this is impacts it because we're going to get more of a. I'll say an honest pace. I think this lessens the chance uh, significantly of any horse going gate to wire. Uh, I don't think any of us are thinking Jace's Road is really a gate to wire type horse. Uh, we saw in the past that he is absolutely no good when it comes to a wet surface, right? He was eighth in the street sense that was sloppy that two fills won last year. And then also he was a well-beaten fifth in the Southwest when Arabian Knight won that in the slop. He looked all right in the Louisiana Derby. You know, he, he managed to hang on for third, but wasn't anywhere close. He did win the Gunrunner Stakes, so... You know, kind of that fairgrounds form uh, still looking very strong coming to the Derby. But, um, you know, the fact that he really wasn't in, involved in the pace perspective when it was wet and just wasn't hanging around at mile and three sixteenths. We're not expecting him to to hold on and be there for the Derby when they get to the quarter pole, say. But I think that he will set it up for uh, horses who are coming from off the pace a little bit. You know, if you have a an Angel of Empire, a Forte, a Tap at Trice that need pace to chase and to close into, I think this sets up well for him. Conversely, if you were a big fan of Dermasota Gake being able to go gate to wire, I, I don't know. You're going to have to hope that, you know, based off of the draw and everything, that maybe he draws inside Jace's Road or, you know, maybe the horse, he has shown that he can relax a little bit. But uh, is Jace's Road, you think, you know, forgetting the, pay, the post for a second, do you think Jace's Road is now your most likely horse that's leading going into that first turn? No, I don't. I mean, I, I'm not even sure Jace's Road is going to be part of the pace, right? I mean, and Aaron brings it up here. He didn't challenge Kings Barn in the Louisiana Derby. I know a couple other people brought it up as well here. You know, Chris brings it up. If Jason's Road wasn't fast enough to push the pace, how much will he do in the Derby? I kind of agree with that sentiment. Uh, the only time Jason's Road has been on the lead was a 24-48 half. That's going to be slower than what they go in the Derby here. So I, I don't... This is This is cheap if I want to push speed. Right. This is, hey, I'm going to make a specific decision to send this horse blindly to force the pace to set it up for someone coming off it. And you only do that if you're Brad Cox. And then the question is, do you really want to rabbit in the derby? Like, I don't necessarily think that's what they think of Jace's Road. So if you're not putting him in there to be a rabbit, then to me, he probably doesn't push the pace. He probably sits fourth or fifth and it's completely irrelevant to the derby. So I'll bring up the, uh, those are great, a great question, by the way, from Aaron and everybody bringing that up. I'll bring up the replay for Louisiana Derby. And uh, it, it's maddening when you watch Jace's Road in the 11 post and then Flavian Pratt on Kings Barn in the six. How many times is Pratt, see Kings Barnes is on the lead. How many times is Pratt going to look over and go, are you coming? Are you coming? Are you coming? Like, what, nobody's there? Okay, nobody on the inside. Jace's Road, you're right there. Are you going to take it? Are you going to take it? Like, and Flo's looking back at Pratt going, no, no, you take it. It's like they were just, you know, just dicking around up there on the lead and nobody seemed to... At one point, he's got his head in front. And Flo yeah. goes, no, I'm going to pull back a little bit. Uh, 
And, and you can tell that 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 Jace's road has more natural early speed just by watching that break than King's Barn does. It's just that that they made the decision not to send him there that day. And I, I again, I, it's, I think it's moronic the fact that Jace's road didn't clear and go to the lead there in that first turn, especially considering the pace they were going. The race was over, but uh, without either of these horses being asking, you can see Jace's road go by. Like you said, he he was a half length ahead of him by the time of the turn. If you just ask the horse a little bit, you easily clear that field. Um, so we'll see. I mean, again, it's a question. Do we change tactics for the Derby? Do we just tell Flo, go get the lead, which I don't think would be a terrible idea uh, if you are the ownership group or the trainer here. However, that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Um, and, and like I said, the only time that he has been in the lead in any race at the half-mile point, they went 24-48. So I, I'm not sure that he's actually a pace factor unless they the, the connections decide I want him to definitely be a pace factor. And that's something we'll have to kind of figure out in purse over the next two weeks. If they don't, if he doesn't get sent, why are you like? Why is the horse even there? Like his one chance, I think, is of, of making an impact is to go early like that. But in post position, will de determine you know a little bit more of how they decide to use him. But Florent Giroux expected to keep the mount uh, was aboard for the Louisiana Derby. Uh, he is owned by Albaugh Family Stables, who also owns Angel of Empire. He is co-owned though by West Point Thoroughbred, so uh, not completely the same ownership group. Um, you know, but Dennis Albaugh, a great supporter of horse racing puts a lot of money into it so it's good that he has two starters in here uh as far as quality row goes though if, if he does again if he doesn't get sent what the hell are you even doing with the horse in there it should, it should be go to the lead see what you could be on the front and and go yeah aaron says it great you send him like a mobile and set up for your other horse but they didn't do that in louisiana derby for the other brad cox horse which was uh instant coffee so yeah who knows <laughs> Yeah, Jackies, man. yeah, that's where that's where this this becomes a conundrum. Now, I will say this. I mean, obviously, he was. This is more of a pace question now than Blazing Sevens. Blazing Sevens definitely wasn't going to be part of the pace. Definitely wasn't going to be on the lead, right? In Jace's Road, mm -hmm. there's a world where he is in the lead going into that first turn. I, I still have a feeling it will not be Jace's Road, um, but we'll we'll see what happens as this kind of plays out. I'm I'm still kind of looking through all the past performances and trying to figure out who I even think is going to be in the league going into that first turn, which is kind of a conundrum in and of itself. Generally, at this point, we have a pretty good idea of who the pace of the race is going to be. And I, I, I am a firm believer it's not Kings Barnes. I don't think it's going to be Kings Barnes. I know a lot of people have said that. And I just I strongly disagree with the fact that he's going to be the leader going into the first turn. And so you kind of scroll through here and it's like, I'm just not sure to me. I, and this is the other interesting part to me. And this is the most interesting part of this Blazing Sevens, Jason's Road thing. We're getting closer to horses I care about getting into the Derby. That, to me, is the most interesting part about this because Skinner is sitting there, Cycle of Mischief is sitting there, further down the board, Mandarin Hero is sitting there. We're getting closer to those type of horses making it into the gate. And that they all matter to me if you're actually talking about it, about who can affect the end of the race much more than these two horses. I think the uh, the post draw might actually determine because you you bring up a great point. There's no like super sprinter types that are seem to be in this race right now. Uh, that post draw is going to be a matter because if you have between Kings Barn, J I'll just throw out three names: Kings Barn, Jace's Road, and Dermasotagake, and Verifying. Throw him in as well. If you have those four horses and three of them draw outside post ten, and one is like post four. That's the horse you would think is going to go as long as he gets a clean break because he'll have that inside trip. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. As far as Blazing Sevens goes, we don't know the Preakness field, but it looks like there's a lot of good horses aiming for that race. Does Blazing Sevens have any chance in the Preakness? I, I haven't liked how he's developed as a three-year-old. No. If it's over seven furlongs, Blazing Sevens shouldn't be in the race. <laughs> uh, it's maybe something to the Pet Day Mile. Yeah, we're going to agree on that one. Lots of great comments in the chat. Another good talking point, Mike, uh, Mage and Kings Barnes. You got two horses that are a lot of people uh, in the YouTube comments, especially I see are a lot of people like these two horses. 
no jockey seems to like these two horses. What's going on? Like, who should ride Majin King's Barns? And on top of that, before we say that, are you worried if you support these horses that we are a week away from the post draw and we have no idea who's going to ride either horse? King's Barns, yes. Mage, no. For the simple reason that King's Barns is a Todd Pletcher horse, right? I mean, you'd think that he can make a phone call and get the jockey that he wants to be on that horse, considering it's also your Louisiana Derby winner. And the fact that we are sitting here and uh, everyone's like, meh, well, let me see how this plays out, or I'm going to go over here, or I'm going to go over there. To me, that's much more of a concern than when you're looking at a horse like Mage, just because, uh, look, Mage's connections, it's, it's Gustavo Delgado. It's a more of a Florida connection. The horse has never run outside of Florida. To me, there's, there's many more question marks about when you get the call for that horse versus when you get a call for Kings Barnes. I've seen Ray Lou connected to both of these. Like, I, it will be interesting to see if he actually gets a call for either of them. I, the, the, the jockey pool is starting to thin out. It's not like there's like this Eclipse award-winning jockey just waiting there to ride the Louisiana Derby for Todd Pletcher. And that, to me, is significantly more concerning when you look at these two. I could see Raylu uh, being a good choice for, you know, he'll be there because uh, that weekend because he's got Kentucky Oaks Mount atop Oaks Mountain South Lawn. Um, so you could see that happen. Uh, Curtis Manless suggests Frankie DeTori. The question with DeTori, we don't even know if he's going to be in the country because you've also got the, is it the thousand? I'm, I'm terrible with remembering the European names. They're going to get murdered in the YouTube comments for it. But there's a top European race for three-year-olds that is also the same day, same weekend as the Kentucky Derby. And DeTori without a Baffert-type horse to ride, I think that might go be where it happens um you know emisa jaramillo could come up from Gulfstream. you could see him go back to i think edgar prado was on him when he won his debut race on uh on pegasus day johnny v uh good suggestion he's already named on reincarnate so john velasquez is going to go there mike smith maybe i'm seeing a lot of people who claim to say that mike smith that's what he wants uh, i'd love to know how everybody knows what mike smith is doing and and uh you know the, y'all got good contacts with mike smith that's that's fantastic here's the one Jose Ortiz seems to me like the, the giant question mark because you think being, you know, having been at Gulfstream all winter, you think he would go to Mage. Is he waiting on Kings Barnes? If he's waiting on Kings Barnes, why haven't they decided? Is there something wrong with Kings Barnes? Like, what, what is happening here? Yeah, I mean, he's never ridden Mage before, right? Uh, he's been ridden right. by Perez, Castellano, and Saya. So he, Perez, he's never, thank you. He, he never has ridden him, at least. Kings Barnes, I am surprised this hasn't been announced that it's going to be Jose Ortiz already. Because it's a Pletcher. It makes sense. He rides for him in New York all the time. Like, it, To me, the fact that it hasn't been announced makes me... I, my concerns about Kings Barnes get even greater because this is not... This seems like the natural fit. This should have already happened. It's like this trade to the Jets where we've been waiting for it for a month and a half. We all knew it was going to happen, yet it didn't happen. <laughs> Except in horse racing, when it doesn't happen, it makes you concerned because you don't know... Is the jockey waiting for something else? Is he hoping some other mount opens up? Is it because he doesn't necessarily believe in the horse, or he? But there's no one else really left to even ride at this point outside of Mage. That's a a sub twenty to one horse, twenty five to one horse. So uh, it's just kind of crazy here is how this how this plays out. That that you know what what a lot of people are saying is the third best horse in this class, fourth best horse in this class has no mount for the Kentucky Derby. And you've got an eclipse winning jockey who rides for the trainer all the time who has not taken it yet. It just, it's a big time head scratcher. Uh, all right. Thank you for clarifying. Everybody said Mike Smith says this. And finally, somebody said, thank you, shoddy, where that actually came from. Cite your sources, people said in an interview, his name was in the hat. So that's good to know. Um, 
It's crazy. There's a lot of top jockeys. Juan Hernandez gets thrown out. He won't ride. Uh, he has zero connection to Pletcher or uh, really to Spendthrift even. Uh, Juan Hernandez finding out at Derby season right now what the downside is to tying yourself to all the all the Baffert horses as well. All right, if none of them are going to make it for a different trainer, you're not going to have a chance there. I, I, um, wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if he got a call from, from the Mage Connections. Really? I mean, if you think about the, the style of horse that Mage is and the type of rider that Hernandez is, the get him out early, the, the, the more of a... I mean, he's, he's a good rider overall, but he's very good on speed horses and getting horses out of the gate. It's what Mage has struggled on. There is somewhat of a natural fit there. And if you're going... If, if you're a Mage's ownership group and you're looking at who is available, if you cross everybody off the list that's taken already, Hernandez has to be in the top five available jockeys, right? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, the guy is a uh, is an absolute you know, freak of nature riding at Santa Anita. Easily the best jockey at Santa Anita, especially on dirt. So if you have you know one of the top circuits in the country in California, the top jockey there doesn't have a derby mount. Yeah, but I think it'll be curious to see. I think Hernandez. What would help him is if he's got other horses, maybe for D'Amato, that are going to a turf race. He needs to have something else that's going to draw him over there. And I think that will increase the chances of his agent being able to say, hey, guys, put put Juan Hernandez. He's coming. He needs a ride. Uh, that'd be a good one. Um, as far as Kings Barnes, who would be a good who do you think would be a good jockey to ride this to, to give him a chance? I mean, I, I think Ray Lou actually would be a great choice for either of these horses, right? Because it's it, they, they both. Uh, at Kings Barnes, you want to get out, you want to get position, you want to set the horse up well. Ray Lou is very good at doing that. He can judge the speed of a race very well. He understands when to go, when not to go. Uh, and, and same with Mage. I mean, like Mage wants to have a Kings Barnes esque trip. Both of these horses want to be sitting probably somewhere between the second and fourth or fifth spot in the race around the first turn. And look, Ray Lou's generally very good out of the gate. He's been on fire recently. Again, if we're looking at the top five jockeys without a mount, he is definitely on that list for me. Uh, so I, I would I would love to see Ray Lou get a shot here on either of these horses. Uh, <laughs> once Aaron said he's, his name is in the head, it was good. It kind of game over from there. Um, you know, we didn't not a total topic discussion that we had planned, but uh, Shadi brings up something uh, Vinny and I were talking about earlier today. Confidence game. You know, we haven't seen him work since the 14th. He worked a mile. But that was at Churchill Downs. We haven't seen him since then, and it's a horse that hasn't raced since February. Uh, lots of issues with confidence game coming into this, probably lowering your confidence in him if you liked him at all. Yeah, you don't love to see it, right? I mean, you want to see a horse consistently on the workout tab heading up into the Kentucky Derby, and the fact that we've not seen that is is uh, a frustrating thing. The fact we haven't seen him since the victory is frustrating as well. So, uh, to me, confidence game is is was never really high on my list, but one of those horses I thought could, could muck it up and end up in the Superfecta if things broke properly for him. That opinion is faltering, I would say. Probably not a horse I'm going to include in my top four, or, you know, go, even if I'm going deep in that fourth leg at this point. And one I wouldn't be shocked if is a defection from the Derby based on what we've seen since that race now. Uh, another topic for us to talk about, our boy Rocket Can, and because it's our show and this is our only fantasy horse in the Kentucky Derby, we're going to talk about him. Rocket Can uh, added blinkers uh, for his latest work. You see him here uh, at Churchill Downs. Uh, he worked a super fast sub-47 in his first work. They put blinkers on him for him this time and gave him a target. And Bill Mott said afterwards that the, the whole plan was that they're hoping this will actually make him want to pass horses if he's not just looking at them and kind of screwing around. I don't understand horse psychology, but I do trust Bill Mott. How does this affect Rocket Can's chances? Like, as a Rocket Can supporter, does this increase his chances of hitting the board at least? I hate it when they do this. I hate it when you have equipment changes going into the Derby. Like, 
If this was a problem, why the hell wasn't he wearing blinkers last time? Why did like why don't we get a race in him with the equipment if we thought this was actually an issue or this was the reason the rocket can isn't able to pass horses? Like I don't know. The psychology of that doesn't really add up to me. This feels more like, hey, we think this might help, so we're gonna try it. And we liked what we saw in the workout, so here we go. Let's throw it in like ah, it, it, the equipment change heading into a major race, I don't always love, especially on a three year old like this. To to me, this is more of desperation move than anything else. Um, so I'm I'm not upgrading Rocket Cam because adding blinkers. I'm more like more more likely to downgrade him because he's making an equipment switch. Yeah, did, uh, John White has his famous eight different strikes for the Kentucky Derby, and that that strike system uh, works out so well every year. And there are two huge red flags for me. Number one, if you're a gelding, I'm automatically tossing you. Geldings just don't win. The way that the sport is built now is is based all around breeding, and you don't send a horse to Kentucky Derby that's a gelding. I mean, Rich Strike wasn't a gelding. If Rich Strike's going to win the Derby, not as a gelding, but an intact horse, like to me, that's that's a huge, uh, huge problem. But the blinkers on or off, this is the second biggest red flag. Like, wh why are you trying to experiment now? Like, if the horse is really just kind of, eh, at this point, I'm not feeling great about it. Could he hit the board? Possibly. Did we ever think he was going to do anything more than get maybe fourth or third if there's a, like, complete blind country house style luck? No. So this, I don't think, changes our opinion on him as far as a win bet goes. I will say that I think it'll help him with on, but just because I really didn't have much faith in him hitting the board and doing uh, really much running in the derby before the blinkers were added. So um, I can understand why a lot of people are saying it's a bad idea. Along the least agrees with me. Smart move with the equipment change. My point is, if he wasn't going to have a chance before, why not? Why not try it? See if you can try, you know, top five is all that gets paid in the derby. 15th, uh, 6th through 20th, nobody collects a check. So You get a free owner's box, though, for derby day. That's worth something. Probably, that is worth something. I throw that up on StubHub and get uh, get quite a bit of money back for it. Look, I, I don't hate the idea of adding blinkers to Rocket Can. I hate the idea of adding blinkers to Rocket Can two workouts before the Derby and then using them for the first time in the Derby. That to me is like there's enough shit that's going on here, right? It's it's a new racetrack for them. There's 20 horses in the field. There's enough variables that are already happening to yet introduce another one. And again. If we actually thought this was like really the, the the way to make him a super horse, if we thought this was going to make him the best horse in the class, why wasn't he wearing him last time? Why did we decide that that now is the time to do this? I mean, like, I think long term it may be a positive thing for Rocket Cam, but from a Derby perspective, to me, it's like yeah, this is this is like I said, it feels like desperation. Yeah, that's kind of the, the consensus in the chat that agrees with you, Mike. Chris Malice saying he'll hit the board in the Derby. Kevin says he's looking forward to seeing Rocket Can and the Woody Stevens. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, how about this one? This is a good one. You love to take prop odds and bets. Uh, Rocket Can contender for last. Uh, Jack Woods is going to give you 100 to 1 odds on that. No, Rocket Can won't finish last. Wild on Ice is last. Ooh, okay. I'm going to say Jace's Road is last. I think he's okay. a speed and... <laughs> Bye bye. Rob, but he's not fast, so like I don't think he'll get that. I mean, well, let's he see. Can he can go a mile. He, you've got to believe that this one-turn horse is going to at least be able to get the mile and a quarter better than Jace's road, right? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like, man, I'm trying to think about who could actually finish last here. That is a good topic. Do 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 do. Verifying could finish last. You know, upset a lot of people in the chat with that comment. I know I could. <laughs> but if verifying goes too fast, I can see a world where it's just right to the back, baby. Uh, yeah, man, I'm not going to say reincarnate, although I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, can, can, yeah. 
Continue R, maybe the other Japanese horse. Who's someone? Who's someone that's just gonna absolutely hate getting all the dirt kicked in his face? I mean, I would have hmm. said reincarnate until the rebel, because that would have been one that I would also have in there. I mean, Sun Thunder could could finish last or hit the board. I guess that would be another one that you could choose if you wanted to. Confidence game if he even goes right. It hasn't raced since February. That's a big red flag for me. But the thing no when works. I'm picking who's going to finish last, I really want someone who's coming from off the pace. So like, raise Kane, confidence game. Those type of horses get get knocked out for me because they're going to be coming from off the pace. So I'm I'm looking for someone who it wants to be forwardly placed, but isn't going to be fast enough to get the lead and then will quit badly because of it. Right? That to me is the the route you're looking for for the last place horse, or the horse that just really sucks, which goes back to Wild on Ice, who's probably the worst horse in the field. <laughs> Uh, from this list, let's take a look at, we see the top 20 on the screen right now, along with the first two horses up. So uh, first affection after Blazing Sevens, if there's another one, Skinner gets in and then Cyclone Mischief. And I bring this up because, Mike, you said that more defections, this is when you're going to start getting very interested in some of the horses here. Uh, so tell me about why you would like to see, who you would like to see from this defection list make the gate and why they're interesting to you. Well, Skinner is interesting because I think he takes money and I don't think he can win. So I would like to see Skinner in the Derby. Cyclone Mischief, I think, is an actual contender for bottom for the fourth spot, maybe even the third spot in the Super if he gets a decent position and keeps on going because he's got tactical speed but doesn't want the lead. And so he fits into that group of horses that are good enough to hold on for a minor placing because they're going to be forwardly placed anyway. Uh, Major Dude, another one who I think takes money but has no chance to win. And then Mandarin Hero, to me, is the other one where uh, I, that one is actually interesting in a way, where if, if Mandarin Hero gets in there. But I can't get around that San Anita Derby where Mandarin Hero and Skinner can't get by. It looked like both of them were going to go by, especially Skinner, and neither was able to get it, get it done. So to me, I don't think there's any true contender in that 21 through 24 range, but there are some horses that i think take money and there are some horses that i think are, are are big prices that could end up in third or fourth this comment really got me from kevin if major dude gets in he'll hop the rail and race on the turf and get disqualified but shorter distance around because the turf is inside the dirt and that's his better surface and maybe he can jump back over the rail back onto the dirt right <laughs> go there you go it's like like that the, the ultra distance runner the other day that uh, got a huge problem or uh disqualification because they found out that she hopped it she pulled the office move she hopped in the car and took <laughs> skip part of the running i love it that's smart that's smart i it will be interesting to see the the draw like we always talk about how important the draw is when you're predicting the last place horse that draw is massive as well because i could see like certain horses if they drew the one they become much more likely to run last. Uh, I would love to see Mandarin Hero make it in. I th I love the fact that he came over from quarantine, first time racing in America, and did that well. I, you bring up that you know you can't get over how he and uh, Skinner couldn't get by practical move. I thought that Mandarin Hero actually had some excuses. He had to split, come from way off. He had to split between horses, which is not something that any you know several horses would not want to just go bull brush right through a group of horses like he did and then he had to switch off the rail when he was getting uh starting to gain on practical move i thought that he had plenty of excuses where you could see him move forward i'm with you and that i want skinner to make the gate because i think he's going to take a bunch of money people are going to look at the breeding and say oh he's by curlin they're going to love the the john sheriff's victor espinoza connections and they're going to want to bet that horse and sure to finish fourth maybe third you know he could get lucky that way but yeah just not uh not sure. Um, who's riding Aaron? Aaron, who's riding you in the Derby? That's what that's what the chat wants to know. 
<laughs> oh boy. Uh, Jose Lascano, um, is he coming back? Did he get injured? Uh, he had the, he had the broken hand right uh, right before the Wood Memorial, which is why he didn't end up riding Arctic Arrogance. Um, I assume he's going to be coming back. It wasn't like a huge injury; just something will keep him off for a little bit. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about it being long term. Um. Hey. All right. This was you know this was <laughs> ran out of topics. I thought we would take longer on some of here's, those things. Uh, here's one from show. Tom. Would you pick Forte if he draws number one? Um, Assuming I'm going to purchase as someone. I don't have Forte on top. If I had Forte on top, would the one post scare me off? Well, let me, yes. let me give, if I gave you 10 to one on every single horse, flat 10 to one across the board, mm. Forte's in the one. Do you take him at 10 to one or do you take someone else at 10 to one? I'd take somebody else at 10 to one. I don't disagree with you. I, I, I will not bet the one hole until it beats me in this race. I mean, like I realize there's the bigger gate. We talked about this last year. If you go back and look at the trips from the two one posts in this new gate, both times the one post still got absolutely destroyed in that opening stretch because you still have 19 horses that want to flow into you, right? And so even with that, it makes it so much harder. It's still, it's still a wild disadvantage to be sitting there in that one post. Uh, he, God, he, if Mo Donegal couldn't handle it, <laughs> Like if Mo Donegal couldn't handle the one post, Forte's no Mo Donegal. Like here's the I got the Derby break here. If you're watching on YouTube, watch the one post. Like a little skittish out of there, and then boom! Now you suddenly you've got all these horses are in front of you, and all right, and you're getting squeezed back, and look how many are in front of you. Like it's just that was it. Like his race was over at that point, and he's last back there with Rich Strike, and they both came with the run, but there wasn't enough for him. Yeah, I, mean, I thought the previous year was even worse because I can't remember the name of the horse. It was also a Pletcher horse. Known uh, Agenda. Known Agenda, who broke better than that. Known Agenda actually broke okay and still got absolutely squeezed like crazy right around the finish line, I think it was. I'm sure you're going to pull this up here just because you're awesome like that. But like Known Agenda actually broke well, if I remember correctly. And then this just, yeah, see, look, he's fine yeah, out of there. That's you, a you, great you, break from the one post. You could argue he's in the lead and watch what happens by the time they get to the finish line. Like, it's just this wall of horses that come over, and he's got to check, like, three times. And all of Ooh, a sudden, yep. we're in 15th. Like, look at that. I, it's just, yeah. it, it's, unless you're going to blindly send, it is so hard to work out a good trip from that one post. Nick brings up a great point uh, in, in the chat. When someone says the one hole isn't that bad, they'll give you stats from 1875 to 1933 when there are eight horses in the race. Uh, one thing that's always a popular post, and we'll have a video about it as well, uh, the post position trends for the Kentucky Derby. And, and yeah, like looking at that, you go all the way back to, I think our, the data we start with starts at 1930. But it's like, yeah, the one post isn't that bad. But if you boil it down, especially to the, the modern era, the points era for the Derby, hitting the board is not out of the question. If Forte or someone you like draws the one post, they're not out of the question to hit the board. But they've got to be a super horse to be able to do it. And it's, yeah. Even Tappet Trice. I'm sorry. If Tappet Trice draws the one, it, it, it's, it's over. Honestly, last year was the year, right? I mean, you have a complete pace meltdown. Yeah. And you have the horse that was literally next to the one horse, the 21 horse, who, and no one had ever won out of the 20 post either. Like, or maybe I think one horse had won out of the 20 post before. That was the year to do it because it completely collapsed and you were able to run into it. And you had a horse that was a closer with a big kick. And Ired went outside and Sonny went inside and the inside route won, right? I mean, so it's 
you need everything to work out so perfectly. And last year was the chance for it to work out perfectly, and it still didn't work out. Uh, it's just, it's tough. I, and I agree with you. I'm not going to like completely throw a horse off the, the superfected ticket, but they're not getting that. You will not see a one in my top spot. So uh, I know this because I just updated the data a few days ago. The There have been two horses to ever out of 19 starters from gate 20. So not wearing the 20 saddle cloth, but from gate 20 who have ever won from that. Rich Strike was the second. Uh, do you know who the other one was offhand? It happened in uh, the mid to, mid to late 2000s. I'll give you that one. Um, oh, Almost won the Triple Crown. Uh, was it I'll have another? No, that was like a little earlier. 19. No, I don't know. Who was it? Nick got it. Big Brown. Big Brown. Yeah, okay. I was so a, you I was... need to be a, a quasi, you need to be a borderline triple crown, crown winner. And the, by the way, this was pre-Derby points era. Yeah. I think I was at that Belmont, too, when he went down to a knee, when he broke out of the gate. My dad so it's and your I both fault, thought, is what you're saying. My dad and I both thought he was going to win a triple crown. My dad, this is our, our, like wild. My dad has been at one of the three triple crown races for every single horse that's won the Triple Crown since his birth. And it's just wild that he's like, we, we randomly went to the Justify Preakness to keep the streak alive. Had no idea that Justify is winning the Triple Crown. We randomly went to the Justify Preakness and we got to see that. He will not that's be going true. to a Triple Crown this race this year, so do not bet Triple Crown winner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great. I know that uh, one of my favorite stories from Justify's Triple Crown year in 2018 was you and your dad at Preakness and, and like hearing from you firsthand what it was like uh, being in the grandstands and you just had that giant wall of fog and you could hear like in sections of the grandstand as people could see the horses come by like the roaring of what was happening. Uh, crazy. Yeah, I still we're... say Justify, something screwy happened and Justify kept Good Magic from winning that race. There was some contact we didn't see in the fog and Good Magic should have won. It was wild to be there because, like, you, first off, you can't see shit on the backstretch anyway when you're sitting in the stands because everything that's in the infield. So you're, like, relying on the TVs, <laughs> but the TVs aren't even clear because of the, how much fog was there that day. You had no clue what was happening in the race around that far turn for someone at the racetrack. Absolutely no clue. And so you just kind of slowly saw, like, the horses emerge from this fog. And like you said, each section, you could hear the noise. Because people were rooting for Justify as the favorites, the most bad horse, right? Obviously. So people were, were rooting for him. And as each section could see he was in front, it got louder and louder and louder. And then finally at the finish line, you see him cross and just hold, hold off a wall of horses there. It was uh, definitely a cool experience to be at that Preakness. Uh, Ed Burke asked, was Warville on the rail? He drew the rail, but there was a scratch from the race late and they ended up moving him for, to post two. So he actually exited post two. They did him a favor that year if only they did him a favor and, and didn't let maximum security in the race maybe he wouldn't have gone literally sideways in the far turn yeah that was not a fun derby for me i had a large war of will maximum security exacta which i am still convinced to this day was going to mm. hit had war of will got through that hole oh yeah i don't when think i knew that when oh. your horse knocks out your horse it's never a good <laughs> feeling not fun uh, that race is the reason why I'm still banned uh, by the racing dudes from ever going back to the Kentucky Derby. My first Kentucky Derby, and what happens? Something historic and not in a good way. Not in a good way whatsoever. That was handled so poorly. That was a 10-second DQ, and it took him 15 minutes. That, that is what caused as much of that controversy as anything else. If they take him down immediately, then there's no real big issue. But the fact that it took 15 minutes was just a freaking train wreck, man. Shit, Bill Mott said if this is a maiden claimer on, on a Wednesday, like that's that happens instantly. But it's the Derby. Yeah. I, you know what? I, 
I thought you were going this direction with it. I thought it was a complete joke with the DQ because of how they handled it afterwards. They literally were, the media, like the room was just a buzz and we're waiting, we're waiting and the stewards finally, and as they come in, so goes to the microphone, stewards will be making a statement and not taking any questions. We're like, what? This is yeah. like, it's like, it's like disqualifying somebody from winning the Super Bowl at the end of the Super Bowl and saying to the entire media, we're not taking any questions. We disqualified because of this. We just, the Aaron Rodgers has an ugly mustache. End of story. And, and it's such an easy thing to justify. It was such a simple DQ that you could have just gone to the mic and been like, look, he took out a horse. What do you want us to do? Like, it was a really easy one, too. Like, are you going to, you can't make the argument he didn't cost War of Will a placing and he changed paths. Cool. You're like, we're all horse racing reporters. You should know the rules by now. That's the rule. I just, but it's just a freaking train wreck, man. 15 minutes and then not taking questions. It's just a joke. Just get out, like, just come on. <laughs> well, this has been a great show. Uh, I, I, we'll get out of here for Mike. It's any more upset about. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's true. Yeah. Ariel's got that. There were a lot of things that almost happened, should have happened, did happen. And yeah, lots of bad things happened. Uh, this was great, too. I forgot about this. Gary and Mary West went scorched earth and challenged anyone to race him and put $5 million a piece on it and then never followed through. Nothing ever happened with that. And then eventually he goes, eh, we used a doping trainer. We probably shouldn't have won that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that whole year is just a... It's wild. It's a mess, man. Yeah, now Service is in... He's in jail right now, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think he's still there, right? I, mean, I don't think he's gotten out yet. So all, all the times that we got screwed, now he's the one getting screwed. Uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, joining us for this race, uh, for this race, for this topic, for this show. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. Uh, we have got a lot of stuff planned for you for the Kentucky Derby at RacingDudes.com and YouTube.com slash RacingDudes. Um, we have, uh, let's see, we had the top five uh, Derby video for Aaron came out today. Lots of Oak stuff as well. Um, Dr. Miranda did her top long shots for the Oaks. Mike Samich over the weekend. Uh, I accidentally published it a little too early. My bad. Uh, Mike Samich's long shots for the Kentucky Derby. That's a great video. Uh, go check that out. Um, Mike gives you three horses. And I like how you did it, Mike. You went, here's a horse within this range with the overseas odds and then a little bit farther. And then here's my like really big long shot. So uh, go check that out if you haven't. And then we will have Derby profiles coming out next week. Every single horse. We got everybody on the Racing Dudes team doing profiles on them. So if, you know, three to four minute videos about a horse, if you want to know some more information, We've got you covered for that. And then next week, baby, Monday, May 1st, we've got the Kentucky Derby being drawn. And then every morning from that point on until the Derby, we'll have live morning shows we'll, uh, here on YouTube, replacing Dudes Who Bet Daily for a little bit just to uh, talk about the latest news, any defections, uh, the overreactions to any horse going out for a work or looking pretty in the photo. So we'll have all that for you. Mike, I'm excited, man. I'm finally like, I was a little nervous because I didn't know who my pick is. And now that I got my pick, I'm excited. Well, I'm surprised. Like, first off, the fact you have a pick is just moronic. You can't have a pick. What if What if Angel of Empire draws a braille? Don't do that. Don't put that out. In I'm the just world. saying <laughs> you, you can't have a pick until the draw, and the draw is next Monday. One other thing I'm going to say: if you have any questions about the Derby, about betting it, about uh, like anything about that, hit us up. Contact at RacingDudes.com. We're going to be doing so many freaking live shows that we're going to need content. So if you have questions, fire questions over at us. We're happy to answer those. We'll be on live Thursday for the Magic Mike Show. Magic mentioned we'll be on all next week live. So we're happy to answer those as we go out there. So contact at RacingDudes.com. Fire off your questions, and we'll try and address as many as we can on the air next week as we are live constantly basically heading into the kentucky derby we're on the clock coverage here at racingnews.com really appreciate everybody also uh don't forget uh you can visit oghandicappers.net get your great apparel for kentucky derby watch parties use promo code dudes d-u-d-e-s get 10 percent off 
Kevin says, I can't get enough of Samich providing concrete analytics for picks and Papa Dude just laughing his face, picking out of the hat and probably still winning. Just to, just to point this out, I had a 7-1 to winner in the race of the day this week and I had a 10-1 to morning line that went off at 2-1 to as a winner in the race of the day this week. So I had as many race of the day winners as Papa Dude this week picking out of his hat. Okay? He, yes, he went 2 for 2, but I had two winners as well. So let's, uh, you know, still not bad. Uh, yeah, that's true. You can also catch Magic After Dark on the Racing Dudes Only fan page. Make sure you can check that one out uh, as well. Uh, Shadi wants to know who's the cutest jockey and why is it Flavian Pratt? Swing! Swing! Tentpole! <laughs> I mean, if there was ever a better time to use it than that, it's when he wins the Derby on Angel of Empire. But we'll save that for yeah, uh, a couple weeks from just now. Just setting you up there, just just laying it up so you can slam it home. Listen, it, it's it's like the perfect volleyball partner, right? Just set and just it's coming right at you, square in the face, gonna break your nose with it. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, all right, we're gonna get out of here. Thanks everybody. Really appreciate you. Like Mike said, uh, shoot an email to contact at racingdudes.com. Any questions you have for the Derby, we'll be sure to answer it on air. Uh, leave us a comment in the YouTube uh, YouTube comments below with what you think about the Derby as well. Uh, yeah, we'll be back. What do you do? You want to do Golden Gate on Thursday? They've got their big Gold Rush weekend. Uh, it's their big it's a big weekend for Golden Gate this weekend. On um, do you want to do that one this for the Thursday show? Yes, I like Golden Gate. Golden Gate is a track I am happy to support. So let's let's run it back with a Golden Gate pick five here. Uh, and uh, by the way, we, we haven't been able to do it yet because he has, he still isn't in the live chat. Nick Sievers, where are you? Nick Sievers, good friend of the show, won himself a, uh, an entry a qualifier into that uh, Gold Rush. I forget what they call it. It's a big, big ass tournament at Golden Gate, and he's going to be on site and eligible for uh, a lot of extra payouts there. So good luck to him. We'll try and give you some winners. Yeah, thousand dollar entry. I think it's like thirty five hundred bonuses for on site stuff, including twenty five hundred dollars to the highest placing person at Golden Gate. So a lot of value if you're playing that tournament. And you're in the California area. Definitely go do it. Wish I could go up there. Can't do it, but I will be in the tournament at least. So I gotta, I gotta come at Nick for that one two finish. Bet the exacta, baby. <sighs> yeah, watch out for Doctor Tang. Got to try. Three, three <laughs> tournaments he won over the weekend, dude. Like, give someone yeah. else a chance, man. He had a day on Saturday, I believe it was. Yeah. He's got two entries. Great. All right. So th just box up Mike, Doc, twice, and Nick Seavers in your Superfected. There's your winners uh, for, for Saturday at Golden Gate Fields. We'll be back on Thursday at 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific with that one. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellogg. He is at SummerBomb18, number one, number eight, corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes again if you haven't yet subscribe to youtube.com slash racing dudes you'll get alerted whenever we have all our stuff coming out and there's gonna be a lot so hit that notification bell it's gonna be ringing like a phone until thursday or i guess until wednesday for dudes who bet daily i'm magic and i'm mike good luck this week the magic mike show where you hear the experts speak the magic mike show tune into the show every week the magic mike show you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by racingdudes.com